There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But the next book I loved. Now, you could probably predict that I was going to love it. Uh, It's Oscar Wilde, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, Lord, Dean. You and your, uh, that's the ultimate <laughs> novel. Um, written only a few years before the H.G. Wells book, but mm. infinitely superior. Well, it's a great book. I, I'd never read any Oscar Wilde before, I should say. Um, really? But, uh, yeah, surprisingly. I actually, I, I actually did read his complete work. So, I mean, I don't usually do that like you do, but I, I, when I was 15, I, I really just, mm. 16, I think, I just really wanted to read everything, starting with the picture of Dorian Gray. Well, uh, this makes so me want more. I, I, I thought for, immediately I knew I was going to love it. So even at the preface, yeah, yeah. it ends with all art is quite useless. And I thought, okay, that's a good quotable moment. Let's see, you know what this book's about. It's just full of quotes. Like I swear you could almost take a book quote from every page. Well, he's, you know? a, he's a very quotable author. Like, you know, I can resist yeah. everything except temptation is one that I always use. Yeah. And the book's full of that. You know, almost every page is something that you could quote, you know, um, but we have this chap Dorian Gray and there's this painter called Basil um, and Basil wants to he's painting uh, he's painting Dorian and there's uh, Sir Henry's just their friend or Lord Henry actually sorry it is and he's their he's their friend and he comes in and, and kind of fills Dorian with some quasi philosophical nonsense essentially um, but Dorian's beautiful okay he's very very beautiful that's the key thing uh, but the conversations they have, man, Henry and Dorian, the most unnatural, ridiculous conversations walking around the garden, you know, but I, I loved it. I just, I love the, I love the way they're talking. I love the fact that no real people have ever spoken like this. Like they're talking like they're in a Shakespeare play almost <laughs> like, I love it. You know, like just the levels of romance. It's, it's really doing it for me. Um, but, you know, the, the plot in one sentence is Basil paints Dorian and they, the painting is so perfect. And because of what Sir Henry's told him, that he's going to get old and become bitter and, and horrible, he fears that the painting is actually more beautiful than him. And he's going to age every minute. And obviously the painting won't. And he becomes very jealous of the painting. And um, at, at the start, they talk about whether or not Basil should show the painting you know, in a gallery. And he says, no, I can't because I've put too much of myself into this. Basil loves Dorian. Not, not in like a, not a, not a romantic love. He just, lo- he admires his beauty, you know? And he says that we saw each other at a, at a party and we both looked at each other and, you know, across the room and we just knew that we were meant to, to be together. But not in like a romantic way again, just in this platonic, like I'm attracted to the beauty. You're such a charismatic figure. I just need to have you in my life. and I'm going to paint you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all he does. And he, you know, and basically Basil never does anything as good before or after. This is his best piece. Um, and so Henry wants it. And they say, no, you can't have it. It's Dorian's. It's like, it was always Dorian's, you know, and Dorian gets to keep the painting. Um, but Dorian, 
Reminds me a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde at times. Um, he goes around the town doing a bit of bit of the old swashbuckling, you know, doing a bit of uh, getting up to some chicanery and doing a lot of bad things. And the, this Basil starts to say, you know, how come everyone leaves the room when you walk in and you've got a really bad reputation and no one likes you and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, and, you know, he's just going around the town causing trouble, kind of Hyde style. Um, and really, it um, turns out that he's really not a very nice person. And he's quite yeah. quite horrible to people. And every time he and, does bad things, the painting changes. And yeah, and 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 it just becomes uglier and uglier with all the things he does. It's really about morality, isn't it? That uh, sometimes, sometimes the things we do and the people, the way people react, can can make us think. All oh, right, oh, this, so they didn't like that. How can I do it better next time? But in his case, he just knows he can get away with murder, basically, because he wants to always be beautiful. So he does terrible things, which he wouldn't do if if he didn't, if yeah. he, if he knew that the painting were up there. And the point painting is just getting uglier and uglier and uglier. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting concept. But the curious thing is, yeah, that's a good point. You know, if he knows this is happening, why does he keep doing bad things? But it's strange, you know, he seems to not be able to resist doing them, um, and he just tries, he just puts the painting away at one point and doesn't want to see it, you know, because he knows, yeah, he's afraid of anybody else seeing it, you know, he thinks everyone's going to see this painting, I've got to lock it up in this room where no one can see it, and dismiss the, some of the servants and whatever, they just want anyone and that's to see what this it's, painting. That's, and, and basically the painting of it is a painting of his soul. And it just the painting is his soul. Fact that yeah. So there's a very important detail when he sees the painting, and he, he wants to swap, he says, I'm going to age and the painting's not, I wish it was the other way around and somehow by magic it is. So he stays young and beautiful, almost like a vampire, almost like a kind of Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Like he stays the same the whole way through and everyone else starts to, you know, they, they wonder like this guy, he looks, you know, 20 when he's 40, essentially, like he's never ages. Um, but the painting is like getting old and ugly and vicious and mean looking, you know, and, um, and then he does some, I mean, he does really bad things. There's murders and things in the book. But I love this quote from near the beginning. Dor- Dor- um, Basil doesn't understand Dorian. He, he understands his own perfect vision of Dorian. Um, but he idealizes Dorian. And, and Dorian is not a good chap. And Basil never realizes it. And, he, and Basil's shocked. And he says, you're not, you're not jealous of material things, are you? And Dorian says, yes, I'm, I'm jealous of everything whose beauty does not die. I'm jealous of the portrait you've painted of me. You know, and right to the end, Basil is like shocked that people don't like Dorian. Like he just mm-hmm. thinks that because he's beautiful, essentially, that this ancient Greek idea, actually, that, that beauty is tied in with morality, you know, and he just assumes that because he's beautiful, that, that he's good. Um, and he's not. And, and at one point, Dorian um, meets uh, a nice lady and that lady's called Sylvia. Um, uh, S- sorry, Sybil, Sybil Vane meets Sybil Vane. And he doesn't tell her his name. So she calls him Prince Charming. And that adds to his mystique, you know. So, um, But he's horrible to her. Like, she used to see her plays every night. And her plays are amazing. And she's a great actress. She's all Shakespeare. So she plays uh, Juliet and all, you know, all the others. And um, he falls in love with her. But this girl doesn't really know it. She's like 16 or 17. She doesn't know anything apart from that she's been acting in the theater since she was a teen. That's what her mom told her to do. That's all she knows. So she speaks like a Shakespeare character. Like she doesn't, she doesn't understand anything outside of the play. She acts every seven nights a week. That's all she knows. And um, he falls in love with her and he brings his friends to see her. The problem is once she discovers real love, the Shakespearean love no longer seems real to her and she's no longer able to act. And because she does a bad acting performance, 
he immediately falls out of love with her and hates her immediately. Yeah. And oh she's God. saying, but, but it's because of you. And he like flings himself onto the sofa in despair. You, you've killed me. You've killed love. You've killed my emotions. You know, he's very melodramatic and I love it. <laughs> and he, you know, he just, he can't believe that, that, and they're saying, you know, her, her mom keeps saying you should marry him. He's a gentleman, you know, and she, here's an example of her speaking like a Shakespeare character. He is a gentleman, a prince. What more do you want? He wants to enslave you. I shudder at the thought of being free. I want you to be aware of him. To see him is to worship him. To know him is to trust him. And as a Sybil, you are mad about him. Um, and she, I love it. She just wants to be his slave almost. Like she's just, she's just smitten by him, you know? Um, there's a funny, there's, there's some funny moments in the book as well. Um, it's very unclear whether he really proposed to her or not. And he says, well, I, I think I did propose to her. Um, and he says, my dear Harry, I did not treat it as a business transaction. And I did not make any formal proposal. I told her that I loved her and that she was, she said she was not worthy to be my wife. And uh, Harry says, well, Harry, which is of course Henry, uh, women are wonderfully practical, um, more practical than we are. In situations of that kind, we often neglect to say anything about marriage. and They always remind us, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. But there's a, there's a bit of that in the book and a bit of light. I guess technically it's sexism, but it's it's light enough to be amusing. You know, there's nothing. I mean, there's there's some bits where the sexism does get a little bit bad, but mm. the, the the stuff with Sybil's sad. You know, I'm not going to spoil okay. what happens, but you know, she's a Shakespeare, yeah, she's a Shakespeare character. She has a tragic ending. You know, yeah. and uh, and Dorian doesn't care, and Basil can't believe that Dorian's just off to the theater. You know, uh, whilst things horrible things are happening to wow. the people he loves. He's just like, well, I don't care. I'm going to the theater. You know, he's just so emotionless towards the people that he's supposed to care about. Um, and then we do see a bit of a moral breakdown. The more it goes on and on, he kind of yeah, he does yeah. become, he does get worse. And, and I don't want to spoil what happens, but there's some really great scenes. It's 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 a really good book. Definitely the best of, of the books that I've read. You know, the, well, you could tell it wasn't that keen on the other three. So that's not. Yeah, a that, that's a really good book. I recommend it, guys. Um, yeah, it's an, it's an amazing, amazing book. Um, I love those type of characters. There's that ultimate lack of morality. You know, just he's very vain. He's very beautiful. And the melodramatic moments, you've killed my love. You know, I, just because you put on a one bad performance out of a hundred, you know. I love it. <laughs> well, we have one more. The last book I read is called Burn the City to the Ground by Anne Daniel. Um, this one has a lot of himself in it. The main character is called Daniel. And um, it is a story about a care worker and his client, Sam. Um, and she's a quadriplegic. She's quite young. She's very vulgar. She, she essentially tries to discuss... I think she tries to, to, to use vulgarity, swearing, aggressiveness, sex, jokes as her shield for like her own pain and her own problems, essentially, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's just their story and, and COVID comes into it. And, and um, George Floyd comes into it and a lot of political events, a lot of, of a lot of current affairs towards the end. Um, okay. so it's very but it's, relevant. it's very, very relevant. Um, and it's quite an interesting book. Ah, and hold on, cool. PJ. I think I hear oh. the, the phone ringing. I better answer it. Let's see who's on the line. Right. Hey, you're through the books, boys. You got Dean and PJ on the line. Who's calling? Uh, hey, this is uh, and Daniel. Uh, I just, uh, I think you guys read my oh. book or something like that. 
Oh, wow, that's it. Yeah, we we were we were that's just talking crazy, about it. Yeah, that's a crazy coincidence. It's amazing <laughs> that you're gone. That is mad. <laughs> How oh, are you doing, oh, man? I'm I'm doing all right. I uh, just got done with the Christmas holiday. Um, pretty busy, pretty hectic, uh, but I'm doing okay today. Okay. Got the day off. It's it's all good. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I read your book. I read Burn the City to the Ground. I tell me, this is your second Yeah, yeah. It's the it's it's my second book. Uh my first book is called Corners Untouched by Madness. Uh both books were uh you know kind of critically praised. I mean, I'm not a millionaire, obviously. My books aren't world famous, but um mm-hmm. but uh both books did really well. Um the new book especially is doing well in Minneapolis and uh right you know, uh, sort of in greater Minnesota, um, in the United States. Uh, so, and that's, that's where the books take Ooh. place. So, mm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So, so it's resonating with, um, it's resonating with the crowd. You maybe, did you write it for, um, did you write it for this particular crowd or were you thinking that maybe the book could expand uh, nationwide or international? Well, I, I think when you write a book, though, the the plan is usually for it to get as popular as possible. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. So, but, um, you know, it, it's it's a story about, uh, you know, the pandemic and riots in Minnesota. Um, well, leading up to that, that's kind of the climax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so so people are in, especially in Minnesota, are, are interested in the story. Um just because right. it's it's sort of like a story about um you know what's been going on here you know yeah, and, and right relevance yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and george floyd uh is mentioned in it i mean i i knew who he was mm-hmm. i volunteered at the shelter he was working at um you know wow. so even though even though he's not like a like a huge um part of the story it's it's something that's kind of going on in the background and then and then also like when Mm. he is murdered like kind of how my my quadriplegic client and i that that the story is about um how we react to sort of like his death and stuff like that so Mm. so people are people are really interested in hearing Mm. um stories like that right now um and there isn't there, there aren't a lot right now. So, so, I mean, I really hope that more people come forward and write um, sort of about these topics. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It touches on, on the George Floyd stuff. It touches on COVID a bit towards the end as well, you know, so we've got, we've got the story about Daniel and everything and, and the, his patient, as you say, Sam, um, but then we do bring in a, a few different, you know, current affairs issues, and that's um, that was quite an interesting take, you know, because it, it's not um, it's not a pure nonfiction book either. It is a, it is a novel, but we just bring in a lot of elements. And I wanted to ask you how, how much of this is real, you know, how much of this um, is based on on real events. You know, stuff? when you write, like, actually, that's that's probably the question that I get the most when people <laughs> when people are talking to me about this. Mm. Um, but you know, when you write a memoir it's so hard to like, it's never going to be real. You know, mm-hmm. it's never going to be reality because you're not going to remember, you know, conversations. You're not really going to remember, you know, um, I, I find the hardest thing is like mm-hmm. the order of events um, and, okay. and how things happen. And, mm-hmm. and you kind of want to set things up where it tells like a cohesive story 
and where there's like a beginning and end. Um, and reality just doesn't yeah. really, you know, organize itself in that way all the time. Um, so, you know, I, w- I would say it's like, you know, probably 80% exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Obviously, there's a lot of um, like vulnerable adults, uh, disabled people. Uh, so a lot of it has changed um, just to protect them, their identities and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like mostly true. I mean, it's, it's not like I just made it, made the whole thing up. It's there, there are certain mm. plot devices that I use to kind of move the story along, you know, some of the, some of the, um, conversations in the book, I kind of wanted to use to sort of steer the narrative of the story, um, just to, mm. to touch on specific talking points that I felt were, um, relevant i i feel like the whole like the whole idea of memoir is to share with the with the readership what you know but Mm -hmm. but do it in a way where they don't have to do the work that you had to do you know so (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) nice and you know, for for a memoir, like it does, you know, it fl- it flows well. It's easy to read. It reads like a it reads like a novel. You know, it it's a sto- it reads like a story that you can easily dip into. You know, I was I was able to read it in I think two days because I just you know I wanted to find out what was happening and I didn't find I found it very accessible to read, which is which is good. You know, um, and it's it's good to know that a lot of it is real. So I wanted to ask you then, right near the beginning, Daniel, I guess you know, essentially yourself. <laughs> first client he's given dies day one was that you know was that something that was like really difficult to to deal Uh, with yeah that was that um you know it's like day that happened day one in the book but that actually happened a little later in my caregiving career Mm -hmm. but it was so significant to me um because it was uh the first client that i had that passed away oh wow so i just kind of wanted to Mm -hmm. to illustrate like um, you know, some people that are disabled don't have any family or friends or anyone visiting them. Um, and, and their caregivers are the yeah. only people that are really like surrounding them. Mm. Um, so that was, that was, that was a very true, uh, sort of part of the book that actually happened. That's exactly how it happened, but it wasn't like the first experience that I had. Okay. I just kind of right. put it in there like that to sort of demonstrate that, um, you know, moving into, moving into my client and, and caring for her that, that mm. some people don't have anybody and they're, they don't have support systems. They don't have, um, you know, family or friends coming to visit them. Um, and that's sort of how uh, the Samantha character in my book was because, because she, um, she alienated everybody. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of have a setup where, yeah. You know, this is kind of normal for people to, to be for disabled people to be in this situation where and and I don't really say that about the client that dies in the beginning of the book. Um, but that was very much like his story, too, was that he alienated everybody in his life and then no one wanted to visit him. And, and mm. that's just the frustration of being um, disabled and and, um, you know, yeah. not especially like not being able to move your body. If you have like a traumatic brain injury or whatever it is, you know, people uh, 
tend to shy away from that. And that's, that's sort of why I use that experience to kind of like open up the story is just to show. And, and, you know, that's an, a, another example of how, how I sort of use my, the, the memoir to kind of narrate and kind of mold the story to how I wanted people to perceive it. Um, because that actually happened later in my, in my, um, in my career as a caregiver. Um, so yeah, that, that was real. That was all real, but it just didn't happen like at that time. Yeah, exactly at that time. Yeah, cool. So Sam is a great character because she's always calling Daniel frat boy and, you know, shouting at him and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, I think she's a very, very likable character once you kind of peel off that rough exterior of, of, of yeah, mild abuse, yeah, you know, yeah. once you kind of get away from that. I think, you know, everybody reacts to her differently because some people think she's like the antagonist of the book and other people like, I, I wanted to write her character in a way that would make people sympathetic to her mm. uh, because she just doesn't have a filter. I mean, she's not a bad person. She's not like... I don't think she's necessarily mean to Daniel in the book. Um, she can seem very angry and, and disgruntled, but uh, she just wants like to be taken care of properly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially like my character yeah. is not doing his job correctly. So it's like, um, and, and I think a lot of people perceive that as, as her, her sort of ragging on Daniel as being mean to him. But I mean, being a, being quadriplegic is is awful it's very frustrating it's very um it maddening it's maddening um and i and i really wanted to show like sort of the human side of that and and how she kind of um copes with it and and the way that she copes with it is being very inappropriate and swearing and telling dirty jokes and a little swearing yeah yeah so so it's it's very much like uh um I didn't want her to be an antagonist in the book. Some people perceive her as the antagonist. I wanted to show people why she was so angry. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even in the end, as, as things are becoming more difficult between me and her and our, our relationship is becoming more toxic, it's not like we didn't care about each other. It's not like she didn't care about me. You know, it's just that's just how it is you know being it's it's like living with a roommate that you want to you want to get along with you want to care about but but um there's just too many difficulties and frustrations and it's not like you hate the person but um I wanted her to be like more of a sympathetic character and I'm I'm kind of discouraged because a lot of people are like oh she's the antagonist like she's a jerk to you like she's the bad guy but that's not really Mm -hmm how I really wanted to like write the book um, with her as, as sort of like, like this aggressor, but that's just how people perceive it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it's a very brave of you to be, um, well, how much is biography? How much is autobiography? We, we can guess, I suppose, but it seems to be very, we yeah, well, it seems very, um, that very naked the book so that's very brave of you yeah uh, was it your intention to talk about yourself and car- and calling the character daniel were you open to the idea is it is it supposed to be very obvious that it's you or were you trying to sometimes hide some maybe embarrassing facts to yourself 
Well, and Daniel is a pen name. Mm-hmm. So it's all sort of meant to like kind of mask like who I am a little bit. Um, and my, if you read my first book, my first book is even more raw and, and embarrassing and gritty and, and, and naked, um, in a lot of ways. So my first book is probably even more so like stuff that (laughs) I, I even say right in the beginning, it's like, this is all the stuff I wouldn't want a stranger to know about me. You know, (laughs) it says that right in the beginning of my first book. But here it is for thousands of strangers. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So it's, it, that's just how I write. I mean, I just write about, I'm honest about what happened to me and, and I write about some pretty hard topics and I just like, I have the like privilege and the, also the uh, sort of bad luck to actually live a life that was really dramatic and worth writing about, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's both mm-hmm. a blessing and a curse, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, that's just, that's just how, how it is. It part, I think like 90% of writing is just having something to say, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you have a lot to say. There's, there's one last little thread I wanted to pull, um, which is the, the part where Sam, so she always calls Daniel dad, right? Cause he's kind of straight and she's a bit wild and a bit crazy and he's a bit more level-headed, you know, there's the part where he finds that she's got drugs, I believe meth. And, you know, he kind of freaks out about it and she's like, well, whatever, like, you know, is that, was that real? Yeah. Was that big? So, you know, was that something that was tough, yeah, tough that to was deal really with? Real. Yeah. All the, I mean, everything that happens in the book is real. All that stuff is real. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I don't know, like when I wrote it, I was like, can I get in trouble for this? Like, <laughs> you know? but, I, but it's like anything, like, you know, I don't, I mean, the worst thing that they're gonna do to me is tell me i can't be a caregiver anymore i think but you know it's like (laughs) that was was real and like the england swings song i don't know if you guys listen to that that roger miller song that was real we listen to that song all the time and i wanted to like include that in the in the scene where um that's like England swings yeah. like a pendulum do (laughs) like when when i'm giving her i liked i liked when big john came out I liked when yeah, Big John yeah, was yeah. quoted. I love that and those, song. Those were all Big songs that John. we listened to. Like, like we, my client and I listened to those songs all the time. So they weren't like those were those were songs that kind of permeated through our relationship. Um, because she she was really That's into nice. that old music, and and she introduced me to a lot of it. And it's like, um, you know, Big John and and England Swings, and and there's a lot of songs like that where where i wanted to include them in the in the in this in the um narrative because they're such a big part of like our relationship with each other so that was all stuff that that was Mm -hmm. that was you know that we listened to often like when i was caring for her um and and it's just kind of i mean those time they're they're timeless songs now i mean i don't know if anyone like young really listens to those anymore but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm listening to Big John, but I'm not young. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> well, this is yeah, he, he reads a lot of uh, Dean reads a lot of Victorian literature, you know. That's that's what he considers a real fun time, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. His, his, you know, old fashioned stuff yeah, is my, my bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me ask you: the book has just come out a couple of weeks ago, so where where can uh, they get it? Well, the main place they can people can buy it is on Amazon. Um, I know that there's Amazon in the UK. Um, 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's, that's the main place to get it. There's local bookstores in uh, Minnesota that sell it. Okay. Um, but if, you, if you're, if you're, so if you're, you're going to walk stores. into the bookstore in like, you know, Leicester city or something like, and I can have it. <laughs> you know? Awesome. But we can get it on Amazon, which is, you know, where most kind of books do seem to be yeah. being sold nowadays anyway. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah. grand, you know, um, I wish it was cool. Well, I'm glad. I wish it was in bookstores, but it's not quite to that point yet. So it's easier with Amazon, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you the same. Uh, we always ask everyone the same final <laughs> question, um, and I don't give you a chance to prepare for it. But uh, I like to know what authors are reading. So I ask if there's any book that you, any existing book that you wish you had been the one to write. What would uh, it be? Well, my my favorite book is very short. Um, mm. It's uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Mm. I don't know if you read it. It's they made it into oh. a movie. Um, it's it's like a poetry book, but some of the things that he says are so profound. Um, mm. Is it that, from? Is, is it is it from Iran or where was? I mean, I heard of the yeah book. yeah. I think I think he was from. I want to say he was from the Middle East. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what his background mm-hmm. is, but they mm-hmm. they made a they made it into like a children's movie oh. with uh, with Liam Neeson, okay. like, like narrating. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's like some of the stuff that that book says. I'm like God. I re- I really wish that I could write like that, or or I wish I would have written okay. like that. But it's like the the premise behind the book is it's a prophet it's a man that was imprisoned and and he's finally getting his leave to mm. go back to his home country and mm-hmm. and all the all the people okay. in the town gather around him and he's telling them like these things about life and stuff like that and he's like kind of expounding this mm. this wisdom like like a like jesus or or the buddha or or mm-hmm. you know uh you know, a, a prophet would, and, and it's very, it's very beautiful. So I, I mean, it's not a, it's not a long read. It's like more like poetry. I would, yeah. I would definitely pick that book up because it's, it's amazing. I mean, okay. it's, oh. Sounds yeah. Right. Okay. yeah, it's quite a unique answer. That's good. Well, Nick, thank you very much for yeah. calling in and I hope you have a great rest of your day. And as we said, you can get burn the city to the ground and now on Amazon. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. Thank Thanks you so much. Guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. And Daniel calling in uh, just as we were about to talk about his book. Um, and of course, you can get it on Amazon. So wow. do check that out. Thanks very much for calling in. He sent me his first book too, just as a, to read as a, as a PDF. I, oh, have, nice. to, okay. I have to look at that. Yeah. I haven't got around right to it just yet, but um, that's, awesome. that's, that's very nice. nice. It's lovely. So we're almost done. Um, I think the only thing we have to do is our recommendations. All right. Now, before we get to our recommendations, I will tell everyone that if you go to booksboys.com, that's where you can find a portal to all our episodes, all the different places that you can listen, you know, our Patreons on there, some of our other projects, links to our music on Spotify. So it's a good overall uh, first, you know, portal to go to 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 find out other, uh, other stuff about us. Um, PJ, I did a swindle here and I didn't tell you this, and I'm very sorry, but I've, I've done my recommendations a little bit differently this month. All right. So rather than just recommending a book, what I've actually done is my top three books of the year. Um, so okay. these are the top nice. three of all the I books that I, as well. Yeah. 
I actually the top three books that I reviewed on the show in 2020. Okay. So I split the okay, year. Well, into did three. That too, then. Cool. Uh, I didn't give you prep time. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I have to improvise. Um, these and I, I recorded this in video form. It's already on our Instagram. Um, but my top three books of the year. So from the first section of the year, we did episode five, a whole episode on Zafan, Carlos Ruiz Zafan. And it's the the final one in the quadrilogy, the El Labyrinto de los Espíritus, the Labyrinth of Spirits. And that's the big, long, thousand-page one that even though it was in Spanish and it was very long, I read it in a week or a week and a half because it was just so, so amazing. Um, so that's the the Cemetery of, of Lost um, lost Books, right? De los Libros Olvidados. Um, Cemeterio de los Libros Olvidados. And it's The Shadow of the Wind is the most famous one. It's the first one. But we we did a full review of that. So that gets in my top three. And number two, around the middle of the year, I did, I mentioned it earlier, actually, Dumas, The Count of Monte Cristo. And that, you know, it was hard. I loved all the Three Musketeers stuff, but there's so many different books there and it's hard to pick one, whereas Monte Cristo is just an amazing book on its own. And it's a very long book again. It's also 1,200 pages, but I absolutely love that one. Uh, one of the one of the best uh, books ever, and Alex was telling me it's one of his be- uh, favorite books as well. Oh, really? oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Almost forgot. It is uh, my my it. number three is uh, one of our own authors, um, Jonathan Edward Durham, Winterset Hollow, the one that we talked wow. about recently. Wow, I still love love to it, read that. That sounds very intriguing. It was yeah, it was so good that it it actually did make it into my my top three of the year. That's the one that Watership Down turns into Battle Royale, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Great, great. Well, I'm going to go for, um, I think I read these all around the, around the summertime as well. Um, well, I did read the first one, first of all, I read um, twice in spring, winter, winter, spring, and summer, which is my dad's novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Burke, musician and author based in Northern Arts. Highly recommend you see his music and his plays. Uh, but he's also got a, a novel, it's actually a third novel, which is coming out soon uh hope and actually it's not a release date yet so i can't say much more but it really moved me a lot the story it's about ireland it's about his childhood at the same time and it's also a bit of a, a thriller going on there but it's philosophical i can't say more so i've already reviewed it it's great um then i would go to mommel by uh, michael ende which we reviewed also in the summer which is about a girl uh, seeking a, a girl who's got an abundance of time and these time thieves coming to this Italian city and stealing everyone's time. And she has to basically save the world by giving, by giving the people back their time. And it's essential. And it's a lovely novel, a childhood, children's novel uh, on the philosophy of time. And it's quite scary, actually, at times in a very philosophical way, in a very sort of weird, it's, it's all about we ourselves are taking our own time. And these time thieves are just a metaphor. Uh, love it. And I'd love to read it again, actually. And third of all, uh, I was thinking Alice in uh, Alice Adventures in Wonderland, mm-hmm. but I think I'd have to pick Automated Alice, which is a postmodern model. Remember that one? Where's this, yeah, where's so it's your favorite of them. Yeah, I think I, I, even more than the original, it's I really like this postmodern take about Alice, the real Alice um, of 1860 going into the future of Manchester. And there's a parallel Manchester, uh, which is basically, um, it, it's filled with these animal 
anthropomorphic creatures, basically. And everything's chaotic. And there's a beautiful chapter in it where she meets the author. And it sounds corny, except it's not. It's actually a very philosophical kind of a, because it's kind of a thrilling book. It's very, it's, a, it's, a, it's all over the place. But then there's just this kind of noon part. I think his name is Mr. Midday. And actually Jeff Noon, obviously. Yeah. Jeff Noon. And she meets him, and there's this quiet moment just for a second. Uh, yeah, it, it's such a lovely uh, novel. It's so so much fun, and really, he imitated the style of Lewis Carroll really well. And then, the more time Alice stayed in Modern Manchester, the more less uh, Carroll esque it became, and yeah. more Noon esque. And I love that actually. That's really good. That's, That's really a very good time. Yeah. A great ending as well. So, Automatic Alice by Jeff Noon. Awesome. Well, guys, that's our our top books of. 2021 that's pretty much us done i suppose all i want to do is just to reiterate you know thanks to everyone listening and you heard the big list earlier of all the stuff that we did in one month on patreon um, and next month there's going to be another playboys we're going to do the winter's tale hopefully and um, there'll be more dark place streamers and interviews from the vault and everything else so uh, patreon.com slash booksboys is where you can get that for less than the price of a cup of coffee we're basically paying you at this point you know and um, that's how low the prices are. It's not. We're not quite saying exactly. it. <laughs> um, guys, that's that's us. Um, in terms of the song to end with, we didn't get a chance to do a Christmas song this year like we did last yeah. year. We were we were too busy. But um, we might have something, uh, maybe something coming up next month. So what I thought I would close with is my new song, which is "In La Casa de Orense." Um, nice. Still haven't decided if it's any good or not. So if it's bad, I apologize. Uh, it's still relatively fresh. <laughs> um, it's a cappella. Um, 90, 90% of it is. Um, it's a kind of a doo-wop style. Um, and it just talks about spending good times uh, in, in Orense um, with uh, Valerie the Pigeon Detective and so forth. So I thought I would play that. Um, it's a short one. So we'll play that and we'll play our outro credits. And that is us. That's the last uh, time we're going to recording a little uh, couple of days early just because it's New Year's. So this is going to be our last recording session of 2021. Well, hope you had a great year and we'll see you next year. That's it. Thank so we'll see. play the song, DJ, spin that record, and we'll be back in about a month. See you. Mm-hmm. 
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Christmas Aristotle. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth Fan the Boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! Uh, in his masterpiece, a. Uh... I'm going to have to put that out now. What's <laughs> <laughs> What's his masterpiece? His masterpiece is often considered, I haven't, I haven't finished that book actually, but it is pretty good. Okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.